and welcome to another edition of Look Who's Talking, an opportunity to share in conversation about the life of Christchurch New Malden and the wider world in general. I'm Anna Larkin and here on the show this month I have regulars Stephen Kurt. Hello. And Nathan Larkin. Hey there. Plus our special guest for this month, the recently married and therefore renamed Susanna Sloman. Hello. In this month's edition, we'll be talking about school assemblies and the role of Christchurch School more generally, also Hope for Justice and the whole campaign against human trafficking, and our recent celebrations for our caretaker David Taylor's 60th birthday. We'll also be focusing on the pros, because there are no cons, of joining a home group. So let's start off with assemblies. I've got two people here who take them regularly in the school, um, and another who is a parent of two children who are in the audience in the school. So, Stephen, if I can come to you first, what's the role of the church in assemblies at our school and why do you regard them as so important? Well, Christchurch School uh, was founded by Christchurch. Christchurch as a church was built in 1866 and the very next year, 1867, uh, the infant school was established. So there's a very strong and close connection between the church and the school and we're in there as much as we can be. And particularly on Wednesday mornings, uh, that's the day when the Christchurch church team uh, goes in and takes assemblies. So at the moment, that's myself, Helen Tramp-Stevenson, who's the Associate Vicar of St. John's, our sister church, Nathan, our youth worker, and Katie Lothman, our reader. And we take it in turns to go in and take assemblies uh, on a Wednesday uh, morning. We do various uh, different things. We've gone through the whole Bible uh, in a year. Um, the idea really is to make as much use as possible of the Christian foundation of Christchurch School. And uh, the kids there are fantastically sort of enthusiastic. Uh, generally, we make the assemblies interactive so they can get up and be involved in... How do you make them interactive? Well, they might wear costumes. You know, often I'll take along something and get out a volunteer. Well, I, and I, I think I'll interrupt. We don't always. We, we all <laughs> try to make it interactive, but Stephen has a particular flair for it. I can remember the first one uh, before I started. Stephen um, said, come along, watch one of my assemblies and see how I do it, and then you can find your own way of doing it. So I was watching, and uh, Stephen gets a few kids up, and... Uh, puts his head into this bag full of stuff and out he comes with a long flowing black wig and he's yeah. like starts, starts, starts talking like a woman and apparently he's, de he's Delilah and he's telling it's like oh my god well the black, the black wig whenever there's a baddie in a biblical story the black wig comes out and is put on some child so Goliath's worn it and you know King Saul has worn oh, okay. it various people have worn the big black wig <laughs> Fortunately, the kids don't expect that from me. They kind of know if Stephen's coming, they might get something wacky like that. But um, yeah. well, one of the important they've things not learned that everyone with black hair is evil either. No, hopefully not. Awkward. Hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the important things about it is that actually anyone who takes school assemblies finds their style. And so Helen Drant Stevenson will have her style. And, and often, actually, people will say, "I remember once I was concerned about uh, something. I was worrying about something." And Abigail, my uh, daughter, who was then about seven or eight, said to me well, Daddy, you, you, you shouldn't be worrying about that. You've just got to pray. And I said, what are you talking about in a rather bad-tempered way? And she said, well, prayer always changes something. And I said, where did you get that from? You know, as though she'd <laughs> used some bad language or something. And she said, Helen Durant Stevenson told us that in assembly. <laughs> and, you know, Helen uh, is one of the team and often comes out with some really great stuff. That will yeah. But you've got you're quite a different style, haven't you, really, Nathan? You're a storyteller, really, yeah, aren't so you? Yeah, so what are you doing in assemblies when you're a youth worker? Aren't you meant to work with teenagers? That is exactly what I <laughs> said when Stephen asked me to do them. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, it, it's funny. You know, as, as a youth worker, I'm, I'm reasonably comfortable kind of hanging out on a 
street corner with slightly intimidating looking teenagers or whatever, and that's fine, but I stood up in front of, you know, a hundred tiny little kids and I was terrified. And, um, but, but it's great. I, um, what's nice is by the time these kids and, and a huge amount of them in the school are from the church um, or have strong links with the church, um, and by the time they're, they're getting older, they know who I am. You know, they, um, the youth worker isn't this foreign guy who's working with, well, I am foreign, but not, not, not <laughs> um, he's, uh, <laughs> he's not this foreign guy that they, they, they um, don't know, but someone that, that they recognize and someone that they um, expect to see when they get to secondary school and they, they go to after school clubs and things like that. Um, so I think the, the theme for this term, am I right in thinking that's the I am sayings of Jesus? Is that right? Yeah. Yep, we did uh, Fruit of the Spirit last term, so one of us did joy, one of us did kindness, things like that, and they went down a storm. Mm. Kids love collecting knowledge. It's really interesting, particularly the junior school. They like to have the whole set. So one of them was away, and he said, oh, I'm missing patience next week. And we wanted to follow up with something else that they could, you know, having got all the kids to learn all nine aspects of the Fruit of the Spirit, uh, to go on to the, uh, the seven I am sayings of, of Jesus in John's Gospel. And... There's no uh, more attentive uh, audience, for want of a better word, that I find, you know, I speak to, really. They yeah. really do remember what you've said. They're very enthusiastic about it. They mention it, you know, when you see them at other occasions. It's great well, for your ego. It's brilliant <laughs> you get to have, the, have these uh, little kids really listening and, and remembering what you say. And, uh, and also, it's, you know, it's, it's funny. You feel a bit like a celebrity because you get these tiny little kids as you walk up the high street tugging on their mum's arms and it's Nathan, it's Nathan, you know, it's, uh, um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's brilliant. And you can't forget, we, we also uh, go into the nursery as well. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, one of the highlights of my week is going to Rainbow's Nursery. Uh, the school has a nursery of children who go in the morning and in the afternoon. And after I've done assemblies or when I'm not doing assemblies, I go in just shortly after assembly is finished and read them a Bible story. And they're all very enthusiastic. They want to show me their shoes. And I, have a funny, like I have a funny shoe story from that, actually. Because they all sit around your feet while you're reading the, the Bible to them. And I was reading a, a story, and you know, they're, they're, they ask funny questions and do funny things. But I, I was reading, and I was thinking, what is this? And I looked down, and I had a hole in my shoe. It's how I knew I needed to buy a new pair of shoes. <laughs> but there was this tiny little girl sticking her finger in the hole in my shoe and, and poking her <laughs> hand with my toe. It's <laughs> slightly odd. doesn't happen very often when you're uh, preaching or whatever. But. See, I heard you'd like going into the reception, because, or the nursery story because when you walk down the high street all the kids go look there goes God because they think you're God <laughs> going into their nursery that is a little bit problematic and I do want to convey the love of God to them but I don't want to be confused for God but several <laughs> parents have said that their children are pointed across the street these are the very young ones I have to add and say look there goes God <laughs> they do like to impress you though, well, they do know. like to impress me one of my favorite stories was when they had chicks born into the incubators at Rainbow's nursery and I went in and the first chick had been hatched out of the nine eggs and they were all very excited. And I asked the children what the new chick should be called, thinking they would probably name it. And one of them said, I think it should be called Maddie. And another said, I think it should be called Tom. And uh, one of the little girls who clearly wanted to impress me put up her hand and said, I think it should be called Jesus. And um, <laughs> her mate, who didn't want to be outdone in getting the vicar's approval, said, no, no. I think it should be called God. <laughs> God and the, the nursery chick. leaders looked uh, rather shocked at the influence that I was having. So. <laughs> well, speaking of the children at the receiving end of these assemblies and these school visits, um, Susanna, you've got two boys I at have. Christchurch, haven't you? How old are they? Zach is eight and Cameron's six. So Zach would be in juniors then yep. and Cammy in the infants. That's right. So 
Each of them would be experiencing slightly different assemblies, although they do follow the same themes. Do they ever talk to you about the assemblies? Well, my experience with boys is they don't tell you very much when they come <laughs> home. So if you ask them how was their day, they say good. And if you ask them what they did, they say nothing. But <laughs> we all know that's not actually true. And yet yeah, the assemblies definitely have an impact on them because we'll be sitting there reading a Bible story in the evening and not one that I've necessarily read with them. And they'll be able to tell me the story in advance. And I know the only place they can have got that from is probably, you know, these the assemblies or... Um, or their Sunday school. So it definitely has an impact. And I think for me, it was really important that the boys went to um, a Christian school because I didn't want them to see being a Christian as something that you just do on a Sunday. I wanted them to get it at home. I wanted them to get it at church and also wanted to get them to get it every day of the week from school. And obviously assemblies play a really big part in that. And I think the brilliant thing is that the school's got a new motto, which I'm right mm. thinking is becoming the people that God made us to be. Mm. And for me, that's really important because, you know, with our children, you know, they might not be the most academic, they might not be the best at sport, but actually none of that matters. What matters is that they become the best at what God wanted them to be at. So it's not necessarily about striving for academic achievement or you know, prowess on the sports field. And you can always come back to it. So if they're disappointed at school with something or finding something difficult, that motto is brilliant because it's like, well, maybe that's not part of God's plan for you. God's got a different plan. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that that's rooted in the central you know, motto of the school is brilliant because you can apply that at home. And they're just getting the Christian message from all angles. Um, and to me, that's really, really important. So the assemblies are great and it's lovely to kind of see their knowledge building Cameron's always really excited if he's ahead in the Bible than me, so obviously his Bible is <laughs> slightly easier to read than, than mine, and I'm trying to work my way through my Bible um, from front to back, and he's very excited that he's now several, well, several Bibles ahead of me. As soon as he finishes <laughs> one, he wants another Bible. So, so we borrow them off friends, different versions of children's Bibles, um, and it's great to kind of see the impact that that has on him, mm. and he's just so excited lapping up this, this so knowledge. So you haven't converted him to the message yet, because that's your favourite Bible, The message is your my favourite. Yes, message my pink-bound, blonde version of the Bible um, <laughs> is my favourite. Um, but no, he'll move on to that shortly, I'm sure, with my influence. <laughs> Well, we've talked about the involvement of Christchurch in the primary school, and I'm sure most people will already know that we have Nathan, our youth worker, who does a lot with secondary school age um, young people in the area, both inside school and outside school. But what most people won't know is that Stephen is now going to be uh, involved in secondary schools. He's speaking at a conference. Do you want to tell us a bit about I am, that? I am. I'm going just this week in a few days' time to the rather grandly titled Association of Anglican Secondary Heads Conference. So this is basically the heads of Church of England schools throughout the country. There were, I'm told there will be about 70 of them. And they go off for a conference, which probably is a little bit of a jolly as well, um, each September, and I've been asked to do the keynote address at this. And I'm quite glad for this opportunity. And I'm, funnily enough, I'm talking quite a lot about that motto that Susanna mentioned mm. a few minutes ago of Christchurch School, because becoming the people God made us to be has both a really important sort of individual sense, which we've sort of covered already, but, but also a communal sense. It's becoming the people of God. Mm. Um, and what I'm going to talk about at this conference is just the vital and unique role that church schools can have. I mean, I think three of us went to church yeah. secondary schools, didn't we? I yes, did. Because yeah. I went to a Church of England secondary. Um, I went and to you a Catholic did. You went secondary. to a Catholic one. Um, I went to a Church of England secondary yeah. school. 
Um, and I just believe that they've got huge value in um, the formation of our children and young people. Um, and there are all sorts of ways in which education can be distinctively Christian. And if it's not, it's always carrying values. So education will always be carrying some values. It depends what values they are. You can't do education neutrally. And very often, if it's not Christian, then it's really quite humanist. Um, so I'm going to be talking uh, in this address um, specifically about change, actually. They've, they've asked me to talk about the whole thing about how you introduce change in a school. And I'm going to talk quite a lot about new creation and the way in which... Um, uh, you know, bringing in the right sort of change is at the heart of what Christianity is all about. So that's what I'll be up to. Mm. And you've got another conference later in the week, haven't you? Yeah, I come back. I don't go on many conferences, but I come back on a Friday, and then uh, we're all off. Well, some of us are off. Susanna and myself and a couple of others are off on another conference to do with Hope for Justice and Human Trafficking. And Susanna, you've preached on human trafficking here at Christchurch, haven't you? And I know you're really involved in Hope for Justice. I think you, you help to run a local group for Hope for Justice, is that I right? I do. It's called Act for Justice. Great. So could you tell us a bit more about Hope for Justice, what, what they do and, and what they're all about? Well, Hope for Justice is a UK-based charity that identifies and rescues victims of human trafficking. And today in the world, there's about, well, the, the figures vary, but... 27 million modern-day slaves. So these are people trapped in slavery. You know, they're women, they're men, they're children. And there's a whole range of types of slavery. So it might be forced labour, it might be the commercial sex trade, it might be the exploitation of children, it might be domestic servitude, where people are literally servants to a household. There's organ harvesting, there's child soldiers, the list goes on. But all of these people are being forced to do something against their will. And it doesn't just happen abroad, it happens here in the UK. If you read any of the papers, it always will come up regularly about people that are trapped um, in this modern-day slavery. So Hope for Justice are um, a charity that fund rescuers. So they fund ex-police officers to go out and identify uh, people who are trapped in human trafficking and work with the police to then rescue them because what you'll find is that the majority of people that are trapped in human trafficking won't necessarily go to the police if they had the opportunity because mm. they may come from a country where the police are corrupt and therefore they feel nothing would happen. So these third-party organisations like Hope for Justice um, are a safe place and they can go and identify um, these victims. So they rescue, they identify them, they rescue them, and then they rehabilitate them because obviously they've suffered terrible trauma and we need to try and integrate them back into you know, life, normal life, and that can obviously be quite a long process. So the local groups Act for Justice are local groups of people who are committed to ending human trafficking and we fundraise, we raise awareness because so many people aren't aware really how big this problem is. You know, we're taught that slavery ended with William Wilberforce yeah. and it's just not true. Actually, there's more slaves today than ever before. Yeah, I mean, I heard, uh, that's just staggering. That, is, you know, we've it? just been celebrating in the last few years that there's a movie coming out. Mm. And, uh, and is it uh, worse because it's illegal now, as it were? Do you, do you see what I mean? That in, when it was legal, it was more public, wasn't it? Whereas now, because slavery is technically illegal, it seems to be far more... It's got underground and therefore yeah. it's more difficult Yeah, yeah I mean, there's that, um, there's that TV campaign and I'm not sure um, which organisation it's, it's for, but there's a, the advertising campaign on at the minute and it's, you know, someone clearly um, 
in, in, uh, working in a house or you know the different people working on a farm things like that and it looks like it's in um yeah, it looks like it's in another country another place and uh, and then it zooms out to realize that you know this is happening right under our noses you know it's happening in london it's happening in you know it's happened in new malden it's happened in you know mm. it's 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 not something that's a problem for someone else uh, it's it's here and uh, yeah it's, uh, well i think well i mean i think it's really raised my consciousness of you know susanna and um ellie keeble and rebecca vaughan spencer from the uh, baptist church really promoting this whole um cause raising awareness i think has been one of the most important parts of it mm. because i just didn't i had no idea it was so uh, prevalent and i had no idea in particular about how much um the chocolate trade to, yeah. to just take one example, was so dominated by... So I, so I knew about the importance of, um, of sort of shopping ethically on a broad level, but I had no idea that chocolate that isn't fair trade was just completely exploitative. And, you know, mm. that's led to a, a change in what we do here um, on Father's Day because of it. But, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it took quite a while for the sort of the blinkers to come off in my case. So well, what did happen on Father's Day then? What's well, the story is that for many years on Father's Day, we um, Father's Day can often be a bit of a uh, non-event in church because it doesn't go like Mothering Sunday. It doesn't have great history. Um, and I was determined that this could be a day which really endorsed not just our fathers but our men. And part of that was instead of uh, flowers, which we give to all the women on Mothering Sunday, giving a, a chocolate bar to all our, all our men. So for several years we've done this, but we gave Yorkies, partly because they were um, advertised under the strap line of just for men or not for girls, weren't they, or something not like that. Girls, yeah. 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 But we, yeah. Susanna better say why we changed, I think, because she was instrumental. Well, I threatened you, didn't I, that I, wouldn't come, <laughs> that I wouldn't come to church on Father's Day unless it did change. Because, of course, Yorkie isn't fair trade, so which, I, which, I'm, which yeah. you weren't necessarily Probably aware of. Um, but, yeah, most of the world's cocoa comes from the Ivory Coast. And just to kind of summarise what happens is that children are trafficked into the Ivory Coast to work on the cocoa plantations. They're either sold there because their parents are so poor or they're kidnapped there. They work in dreadful conditions harvesting this cocoa, which ultimately ends up, you know, in a lovely chocolate bar for us. And we've got no idea that effectively a child slave um, helped in the process of that. So I was determined that as a church, we obviously can't, you know, eat this kind of stuff because it's, you know, dreadful. And if we saw on the ground what happened, we'd never eat it. So I said it had to change and you were very good about it because... Um, you accepted that it did have to change, and so we've moved to fair trade. Yeah, I mean, the sad thing was how, how difficult it was to source enough chocolate in big quantities that's fair trade. You know, well, we, we, we've done it, but it, yeah. you'd think it should be easy. You know, mm. you, it shouldn't be so hard yeah. to find chocolate that doesn't um, have this, this dreadful backstory. How has Nestle but changed now? Because I heard something last few months oh. saying I Nestle think there's had. been voice. Yeah, I think there's been some kind of change that they are in planning to go completely fair trade mm. at some point. Um, I don't know if it's still being talked about because the chocolate industry hasn't invested a huge amount of money at all mm. into fighting it because it is a complex problem because you've got all the different levels of the harvesting, you know, the actual yeah. farming mm. of it, and then it goes through lots of middlemen. So it's hard to, you know, totally control it. But I think there have been a lot of lobbying, mm. and there's definitely the moving is, in the right direction. They're so skillful at PR that in some ways one of the difficulties <laughs> is if they do some of their chocolate fair trade and not other parts, isn't it? Yeah, you see, I was yes. quite sceptical with, with Cadbury's at first because it seemed like a great thing. 
then I discovered it was only dairy milk and not, if you've got a dairy milk with nuts or a dairy milk with fruit and nuts, or, you know, it, 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 it's not fair trade. And I thought this is, you know... Well, you I know, went to the garage last night and got a... They're, on my way to home group, I got a fruit and nut. I made sure it was fair trade. Oh, good. So well, they're, they're clearly rolling oh. it out a little more, but it, yeah. until now that hasn't been. But I did find out. I, I went and spoke to um, someone at the Christian Resource Exhibition, actually, from um, uh, Divine Chocolate. Divine Chocolate. Mm. And I asked about this. I asked, was this them just being sneaky? Or And he was, you know, for someone who's a competitor, I guess, you know, he was actually mm. he was very honest. And he said, it's, it's such a big problem that Cadbury's couldn't even source, there's not enough fair trade cocoa in the world for them mm. to make their chocolate fair trade. Mm. So, uh, you know, it is, as Susanna said, it's a really complex issue. You know, it's, mm. it's one that's not gonna go away overnight and it's one that we've got to keep mm. on at because, you know, there, there does seem to be on some of these, um, some of these companies, you know, a, a desire to, mm. to clean their act mm. up, but it's well, just- Well, Susanna, uh, is that the sort of thing then that local act for justice groups could get in, involved in? Is that the sort of thing, is that what the act for justice groups do? Do they write to people what, you know, I know they fundraise, but um, what are the other things that they do? Yeah, I mean, we've got kind of various things we do. So raising awareness is really important. Mm. So that, you know, unless people are aware there's a problem, then no one will do anything about it. So that's kind of really important. And, you know, I think more people are aware, you know, with the fact the church has changed, you know, it's a quite a big statement. So that will have raised awareness. So that's kind of, you know, a big, big priority. Then obviously to fundraise because the investigators that find and identify the slaves need to be funded somehow. So fundraising is a big part. And it's also a great way of raising awareness as well, because mm. if you do events and you then explain why you're doing it, so it has a two-pronged yeah. approach um, as well. And then we pray as well, because obviously the power of prayer is really important. So we pray as a group um, together. So there's lots of different um, things that we do. Um, but I think, you know, the awareness in the last maybe even 12 months would be fair to say in New mm. Malden has become much greater because Definitely, a few yeah. people mm. telling other people who then tell other people and suddenly it's like, oh gosh. Mm. So you know, if, if anyone listening to this wants to find out more, maybe get involved or, um, or come along to a, to a local meeting, where can they go for more information? So we meet the first Tuesday of every month at, normally at the New Malden Baptist Church. Um, but if they, if they contact the church office, then they'd be able to tell them exact details so um, if, if they know Ellie Keeble she kind of heads up the group or um, myself at Christchurch um, and everyone's welcome to attend so if you can't attend every time then that's fine you know we just appreciate getting lots of people mm. involved and in fact I think there is a, a poster with a list of the dates of the meetings up on, on one of the notice yes, boards in the lounge right, Anna. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean it's I've said in the past I hope it's going to become like with the environment where it will be unthinkable for most of us now to put a newspaper in in the bin with food waste yeah. or um, you know that we've we've totally got used to most of us the idea that we recycle and if we go on holiday to another part of the country where they don't it, it seems quite shocking doesn't it you if feel people, uncomfortable don't if you people show their, yeah, yeah. throw their plastics out and I, I hope that that tipping point will come where everyone is just so aware of this issue that actually they won't just pick up a bar of chocolate and pay for it and then think later on oh, that's not fair trade, that actually it will be something that really, yeah. you know, it's a question we're asking the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of recycling and, um, and passion and awareness for it, I think everybody, <laughs> everybody in Christchurch will be aware of David Taylor and his passion <laughs> for the environment and for all things recycling. Um, He's got an overactive 
he care does, for the environment. He does indeed. And, but there are there are a lot of other things that he is very passionate about. And mm. um, and just last week he had his 60th birthday, and we had a big party at yeah. church, which was really lovely. Loads of people came, and we all got to hear a bit more about him. And he he's such a great guy, really interesting mm. guy, and so important to this church and and to every aspect of of the church life. Um, so. Stephen, what, what sticks out for you? Well, David became caretaker here in 1999, and uh, he brings a huge amount to this church. He was a member of this church beforehand, actually. David had been a school teacher. He'd worked as an orderly at Kingston Hospital. Uh, he became caretaker here um, quite a while ago then, if it's 1999. How many years is that then? He's been caretaker here for 15, 15, 15 years. 15. Yeah, and David brings a huge amount. Uh, to this uh, church. He is constantly full of goodwill. Um, and it's the sort of post, actually, that you can just get so used to a very committed, very earnest, very loving Christian doing that actually you can think, well, that will be the way with all places. But of course, it wouldn't be. And we're very blessed to have uh, David as caretaker. Yeah. And a lot of the reason I'd say that is because he is just so behind the vision of this church. Absolutely. And throws he's himself far into more it. than just a caretaker. He is far he more really? than just a caretaker. So he, um, you know, sets up brilliantly for uh, the 9.30 service on a Sunday morning and the 6.30 service in the, you know, in the afternoon. He gets all the chairs ready for that. So very often we can come in and we can get on with doing uh, something to do with Christian mission, whether it's Alpha or whether it's the youth work. And David will have been there beforehand doing the practical stuff to mean that the people who are doing I think you it's because you know he just gets it. You know, he does get things, it. Yeah. You know, if someone didn't realise why these things are important, you end up wasting a lot of time putting things the way it should be. Yeah. But he, he understands what's important. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's um, it's funny because I I, I came to uh, Christchurch through having worked at Oxygen first in Kingston, and and I'd heard a lot of people who'd been in and around Christchurch um, talking about this guy, Mr. T. And uh, so I, I, uh, <laughs> you I had a, B. A. Baracus. Well, yeah, I, I, I had a picture in my head of a kind of big, burly black guy with um, <laughs> too much jewellery on, and uh, yeah, pity the fool, and all that kind of stuff. And, and then I, I meet David. <laughs> and then I, oh, okay, um, but yeah, you know, he does a huge amount of youth work, and mm, yep. um, yeah, you know, every Friday night he's been doing youth club for about 10 years. Yep. He comes down and uh, you know is is there on a Tuesday for urban nights, and and the young people. Just love him, you yeah. know. As you say, it was his birthday last week, and um, doesn't he have his own special football move he, he named does. after? I him. don't know that. The David. The David. Um, <laughs> David, David usually um, is standing at the side, you know, um, doing one thing or another, often uh, tidying up after they, you know, they've made a mess. But he, he delights in uh, kind of stepping onto the pitch right at the worst moment and kicking the ball away from someone, <laughs> which um, you know could be really infuriating if you're you know, really into the football game but actually the, the kids just have so much respect for him yeah. that they think it's funny and they you know and, and it's, it says a huge amount yep. how they react to, to him having a bit of banter like that with them and well, it's, um, that's why we wanted to do um, David's birthday party in the way we did it I mean when David was 50 uh, 10 years ago we only discovered by accident and the reason we discovered sort of appropriately enough was because his name uh, and date of birth were on a form to do with youth work, something to do with leading on a camp over the summer or something like that. And so we found out that David was going to be 50, and I think it was on a Sunday, but certainly on the Sunday what we did was we had a cake for David and we sang the happy birthday and we gave him some theatre vouchers and that sort of thing. And, and it was lovely. And uh, so I thought at the time, you know, if I'm around in 10 years' time, when David's 60, we must go one better. And so doing the party was a really 
sort of important part of communicating David how value, uh, valuable a part of Christchurch he is, but also just taking another opportunity to come together and celebrate and be church together. And all of us actually were there, weren't yeah. we? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it brilliant. Yes. So much fun. Um, and during the, or after the meal, um, David did a little... Um, presentation so we learned a lot of things about him that many of us didn't know beforehand but a big part of that was his his role in promoting Christian film I think that surprised quite a lot of people who hadn't heard about it he's uh, had a massive massive impact on Christian films in the yeah. UK yeah David um, <coughs> I didn't realize a lot of this and when I did realize it I thought this story has got to be told a bit more and uh, when David was a school teacher in Sittingbourne uh, he uh, found out that uh, Christian films like the Jesus film uh, were being produced and he persuaded the local cinema manager to show it and he put huge energy into contacting uh, schools to come in so there were school pupils coming in the morning and then in the afternoon churches coming in the evening. I think in one week he said he uh, broke the cinema's box office record from his promotion he managed to... Yeah, previously it had been E.T. Yeah, he toppled E.T. And he toppled <laughs> E.T. And, you know, it was really quite inspiring because what David was doing was, you know, really what we want to encourage all Christians to do, which is see ways in which they can make a difference. So David would get on the phone, he would make sure that the message got out there about Christian films being shown, persuade churches to come along. And he's quite canny about the way these cinemas operate, that they will only continue showing these films if people come. So David believes in getting Christians, firstly, to be aware these films are being shown, which sometimes isn't, you know isn't the case, getting them along, and um, he's had a fantastic sort of, you know, ministry in doing this, really. Um, yeah, I think Anna, Anna can uh, tell a story that uh, will explain just how dedicated he is and how much work he puts into it when um, she came into her office and seen him at the computer typing and... Uh, oh, yes. David, <laughs> David and I share a computer in the, in the office, and um, I don't think David would mind me saying that he's not <laughs> all that computer savvy. Um, and so every now and then I help him out when his book called uh, The Internet for Over 50s doesn't, <laughs> doesn't quite cover it. And um, he'd been sitting there with, it, with a list of about 80 churches that he wanted to contact about yeah. a particular film coming out. I think it was God's Not God's Dead. Not dead yeah. um, and he had a list of 80 churches he needed to email. And he'd written it out um, by hand and then he was typing it into the computer. Um, and he looked like he must have set up camp and been there for hours by the time I arrived. Um, and I, I looked more closely at what he was doing and he had been typing out the email from scratch each time because he didn't know that you can copy <laughs> and paste. Um, so, <laughs> so he had been intending you know, to like copy 70, out the same 80. email oh. 80 times and I think I, I got there when he'd done about 50. So <laughs> I saved him another 30 versions of typing it Amazing. all out. But yeah, but, um, it's just yeah. incredible. But God's not dead actually. It's, you went to yes, Susanna, didn't I loved you? It. And, uh, why did you particularly... Well, I think it was really nice to see a kind of modern film. It was set kind of in current times. A lot of the mm. Christian films I've seen have kind of felt quite dated and it was very modern. The people looked kind of, you know, you know what kids Plausible. would look like. At, yeah, <laughs> at, yeah, kids yeah. Yeah. would look like, you know, in American universities now. And it was a great story, um, you know, behind it. And just, you know, it was just nice to see a Christian film because you go to the cinema so often and it's, mm. you know stuff that just doesn't, you know, it isn't the kind of stuff you want to see. It's lots of violence or kind of inappropriate behaviour that I wouldn't mm. want my kids kind of growing up with. And just to go and see a good, wholesome film with a good storyline, mm. um, but a really good message about Jesus and, you know, the fact that God is definitely not dead, you know, mm. it was just really uplifting and, yeah, it was a great evening. I was, uh, yeah, it was the level of confidence in that film that I was 
um, quite warmed by, really, uh, that the people who made it were very, very confident about putting the case uh, for the existence of God. And I'm not particularly sort of scientific, so I'm not coming at it from that point of view. Um, but I felt the, the sort of confidence that that film displayed. It wasn't everyone's cup of tea in terms of some of the characterization of some of the, the people within it. Um, but by and large, I think film is an example of where Christians have got to be stuck in there. You know, we can't sort of withdraw from that whole world. We've got to be, you know, making films that confidently portray a Christian perspective. Because if we don't, people are getting a very slanted perspective from all the other films. So I think Christian films should be in there alongside all the others, you know, confidently portraying a Christian perspective. Mm. Well, um, so as we've said, David Hads has a really big impact on Christian film in the UK. Um, and that's a, a massive thing to try and tackle. But the great thing about David is that nothing is too small. He will go above and beyond for absolutely anyone. And I think lots of people at Christchurch have experienced this. Um, even just for me personally, he, um, he offered to proofread my dissertation, which took him a really long time. Um, but I, he, he gave me some really helpful input on that and, um, and made a big difference, actually. And I know, Susanna, he, um, he was quite involved in your wedding celebration as well, wasn't he? Yeah, David's great. He's kind of like the rock, isn't he, of kind of Christchurch, you know, ever consistent. He's always there. I love the fact that, you know, you kind of know if you turn up for church, you'll probably see David. And I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah, and he's just always really helpful and, you know, embraces it with great enthusiasm. And the wedding was, you know, what didn't have a lot of time to organize it um, between engagement and wedding. Um, and yeah, he was just great. He kind of threw himself into it and it was wonderful. And the same when, um, when I used the church halls for Jimboree, he was brilliant with that as well and just very accommodating. Mm. And the girls that, that worked there just, you know, loved him and just found him so helpful. And it's just, you know, an absolute mm. gem, really. Yeah, he's got a great sense of fun as well. And I always tell everybody that if you ever want a, a free or virtually free day out in London, David's your guy. He knows everything that is going on. <laughs> yeah, he collects vouchers, <laughs> doesn't yeah, he? And, yeah. uh, you know, he's very good at having an eye to... I mean, it may require cycling for four hours to get there. <laughs> really, but, uh, yeah. no, the other thing is his passion for literature. Jenny Stewart, who uh, is, you know, one of the key members of the Fun Committee and editor of The Village Voice, did the most fantastic birthday card for Oh, David, yes. Um, based on Jane Eyre. She phoned me up, yeah. uh, Jenny, and said, look, I know David's birthday is coming up. Um, I want to do a card for him that everyone can sign. I thought, oh, that's a good idea. She said, what's his favourite film? And I said, well, I'm not sure what his favourite film is, but I know his favourite book's Jane Eyre. Absolutely loves it. You know, David studied English at university and that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, thinks Jane Eyre is particularly profound and deep and, and theological, actually. Um, and so Jenny did this great card of where, you know, it says, Jane Eyre coming to cinema soon. And instead of Rochester, I had a photograph of David with Rochester's hair and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and great headlines like, you know, Taylor's Rochester was a stunning performance and all this sort of thing. And got everyone to sign it. And it was, it was yeah, I think great it's occasion. Like, you know, it's... it's Moments like that, or you know, ma the the effort that's put into things like that, or you know, we talked a bit about your wedding last month, and mm. um, and evenings like that, and and you see church yeah. at its at its best. You know, yeah. you see people who, in in theory, should never cross paths mm. coming together yeah. and celebrating with each other, mm. and uh, yeah, that's that's when I get really excited about church. Yeah. When and we, it has when a roll-on effect. You know, the great thing is that the next few Sundays are very much imbued with that atmosphere. We have a mm. great party like that, a great celebration where we 
And it's not, you know, I said at the evening, it's not light relief from the serious business of doing church. We're mm. never more being church than when we come together to have fellowship and friendship. And, you know, we do it all very consciously in the name of Jesus. And it really builds up this church. So David's party was a great thing for celebrating David and everything he brings to this church, but also a great, you know, great event yeah. for the church. Well, we, we've got a great sense of community at Christchurch, and, um, and home groups um, have a massive impact on that, I think. Home groups are a really great way of building community. So let's move on and talk about home groups. Um, Stephen, what are home groups and why, why do you think they're so important? Well, particularly in a fairly large church, which Christchurch is, it's very easy for things to be superficial, unless we're careful. People can have sort of superficial uh, relationships with one another. Um, and even the business of learning more about Christianity can be quite difficult when you're one of a congregation of what can be anywhere between 70 and 300 people. So home groups, uh, which are called so-called because they meet in people's homes, uh, some of those could be called house groups as well, um, they will tend to be groups of anywhere between around about 8 and 12 people who meet together on a regular basis. It might be once a week, it might be once every two weeks, but they meet together to form closer relationships than are possible on a Sunday, to usually study the Bible together, to pray for one another, and to support one another, and sort of to do Christianity in a very practical, meaningful way. And we've got around about 20 uh, home groups at Christchurch, uh, which have different styles, do things in different ways, uh, but all play a really vital role. Yeah, well, Stephen, Susanna and I are part of the same home group. We so are, aren't we? Stephen's yeah. talked about home groups more generally, but Susanna, what, what is the usual format for our home group what hap what would you expect to happen in the evening the usual format for our home group <laughs> is we always start by chatting and it's great to come together regularly with the same people and just chat and catch up we either do it over a cup of tea or on more than one occasion over some champagne when we've got something to celebrate um, so we've got various things that happen we've got an an author in our group, Dr. Tracy Borman. So when she has her books <laughs> published, we celebrate. And obviously birthdays um, and other... Babies. And other babies, yeah, mm -hmm. babies and birthdays. So Engagements. Well, engagements, yes. Be one of those two. Basically, any excuse. <laughs> any excuse to celebrate. And it's, you know, it's lovely to celebrate with close friends. So we'll, we'll do that. And then we will... Um, sit down together and we will either study the Bible or talk about a particular topic or maybe we might be reading a book, a Christian book together. Um, so we'll have read a certain number of chapters and then we'll come together to discuss that. Um, and it's great because it's a chance to really chat in depth about the, about the book, get people's perspectives um, and views. And then we always end um, with prayer. So it's great when you meet with people regularly. So various people have course got different things going on in their life and we can pray for that regularly and then we can see the outcomes of those answers mm. to prayer um, as well which is wonderful to kind of get the follow-up of mm. kind of seeing when our prayers are answered so that's the kind of general format so we'll meet for a couple of hours you know from eight till ten so i think our home group has been meeting two years now it came out of alpha didn't it yes, but yes all yeah. of you uh, did the Alpha course, and it was a follow-on group from that. And that, one of the things that I really love about that group, and I'm sure it's true for many of the other home groups as well, is how no one in that group really knew each other, or hardly anyone did, mm. before mm. this. And, and some really close friendships are formed, haven't they? Yeah. And, and, you know, people are prepared to share stuff in their life that, you know, we've had people in the group go through very, very difficult times where, you know, they've been prayed for each week, and we've kept in contact. And this group of people have come together, very different personalities mm -hmm. in many ways, but have formed these wonderful um, 
sort of supportive friendships that most of us just can't now think of being without. Um, and it's, you know, it's practical Christianity in action. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I, I really like, I mean, um, some of the ways and the tools we have to, to, to help with these now. I think mm. I'm right in saying that your home group has a Facebook group where you, you'll share things. Yeah, well, Susanna was the one who set up the yeah, Facebook yeah. group. And I mean, it's I a closed Facebook group. There, there was one um, evening that, that, that Anna and I had had a really tough day and we were going through a few tough things and I, mm. we, we got in and I look and Anna's on her phone and I said, well, what are you doing? And, and she was sharing with the, the rest mm. of the home group, you know, how she was feeling and asking for prayer. And yeah. I just think that's, um, that's the kind of thing that... You know, outside of having home groups, mm. it may be that you just don't know. Who yeah. You can be in a church that's huge. Um, you can be in a church that's small and just not know who mm. to be vulnerable with, who to share, who to... Mm. And that's, a, that's the real value in these groups is, mm. you, is you get to peop know people outside of a Sunday, outside of mm. um, the church walls, and, and to see that, 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 that what church is really about is people yeah. um, engaging with each other. Well, a lot of people knock social media, but I think this use of Facebook has just been fantastic because how, you know, to, to be able to, uh, during, you know, even home groups that are, that are working well, you know, the people will see each other once a week. They might phone each other, but to actually have someone put up something they're concerned about on Facebook on a closed page so not everyone can see it, and you know, it might be something for prayer or it might be some advice. And then to see people coming in and chipping in and giving one or two sentences of advice, uh, but mainly about making that person feel they're not coping with that by mm -hmm. themselves, I yeah. think that's the real value of it, really. So, Stephen, if, um, if people are interested in joining or finding out more about a home group that they might be able to join, what should they do? Is there well, someone yeah. to talk to? Well, yeah, come and speak to, to me, probably, uh, or Carolyn Lucas, our curate here. Um, but yeah, ideally, what we'd want is, is for every single member of Christchurch to be in a small group, mm. um, because it just makes a huge difference to how much people feel supported. A lot of the burdens that people are carrying, particularly with families living further apart now, you know, in previous generations, people would have their parents just around the corner. Mm. Well, I know you do. Yes. Um, but a lot of people are, are further away from their parents, and actually what people really lack are supportive communities around them. And it's a wonderful way of church becoming more like a family, which is what we're, what mm. we're meant to be like. Absolutely. And, you know, we're meant to be there to support one another, to do practical things like, you know, picking up stuff from the shops or looking after each other's children and that sort of thing. Um, and so what I would do is appeal to people listening to this. If you're not in a home group, you don't know what you're missing, really. And uh, it is not just for people who are raging extroverts. It's for people who are quiet. Uh, in fact, the thing that makes a home group work really well is when you have got a mixture of personalities. Yeah. Mm. And people really enjoy that mixture of, of different, different people there. So have a word with me. And uh, we're wanting to set up new groups the whole time. And there are some groups that need new members. Mm. And, you know, we've got groups that are predominantly the 6.30 service or predominantly 11 o'clock or predominantly 9.30. But we've got some groups that really cross over and have a real mixture of people and different ages from different... Yeah, I mean, we, we've... That, that's the thing. It's not a huge commitment. I think that the worst thing would be to hear this and think, oh, but I just can't... Mm. I don't have enough time for something like that. Yeah. We've got groups that meet in the day, you know, as yeah. part of Connections. We've got yeah. um, some of the teenagers meet on a Friday at Going Deeper. Yeah, Going Deeper is worth just saying a bit about because Going Deeper is a sort of home group for teenagers. Yeah, is, isn't it really? Home group, not in a home. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, well, we've it's tried like the Holy Roman Empire, which we, is either Holy Roman nor an empire. Yes, well, we've tried our best to make um, 
the little back room in the parish halls feel like a home. You know, it's like a little yeah. living room. We've um, got sofas kindly donated by all sorts of people from church. And, um, and yeah, we meet together there. We um, usually have some form of food and uh, something to drink. And, and we start by going through how everyone's weeks have been. But then we study. And mm. it's, uh, yeah, it's one of my favorite uh, groups of the week, actually. Mm. And um, yep. Uh, studying along with you know uh, four or five teenagers yep. and Carolyn leads that with me as well yep. and we're currently going through Revelation which is a wow yeah it's a bit of a daunting <laughs> one but, um, no no it's it you really I tell you you really notice the effect on relationships when you see people in the lounge after services yeah. because they are really sort of pleased to see uh, these people who are there in a home group with and so it just makes the relationship so much more mm. meaningful uh, that people have in church so I'm a huge huge fan of yeah. mm. Well, I think that's all we've got time for this month. Um, but do remember that for more information about Christchurch, you can always visit our website. That's ccnm.org. Um, we're also on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Christchurch New Molden. That's all one word. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Um, it's at ccnmnews. See you next month. Music.